Hello, and welcome back to the Jim Burns and Dave podcast. Yeah. Hello. We're going to be recording this just before we fly out to Japan. Yeah. To do cool stuff. Well, just just before you fly off to Japan. The royal we, the editorial. The royal <laughs> editorial we. You know, because I'm not doing it. No, because so. you're going to be sitting around doing the work you should have been doing when you were away for a week before. So don't just let's not what, get crazy me. about it. What so does you, that even mean? You were away for a week, right? Yeah, on yeah. holiday. Buckle yeah. yourselves in. Here we go. Exactly. Well. We're not on holiday, mate. We're going to be working. Yeah. That's right. And maybe going to university. Yeah. You're, doing, you're working and you, 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 get, you get to go to Japan. I was on holiday and I had to go to fucking Scotland. So Fair like, play. And I have to go to Japan with him and just troll around after him as he goes, yeah. oh, look at this watch. Would you not, oh would you not rather go to Japan with me and enjoy Japan, Japan things rather than fucking you, Rolex? We can change your name to Steve uh, Burns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would that. actually be easier for you to change your name by Deepole this, this afternoon as we record it. Then I think change any of the other oh, God, details. Oh, God, 100%. Before. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll have to rattle through this, I'm afraid, because uh, we literally are uh, on the run. Uh, not from the police. Yeah, I mean, you, guys, you guys are on the clock. I, yeah. however, can do whatever the fuck Wrong I want. Wrong answer. <laughs> I'm been, just going to go home, relax. We've just been over this. Watch some Star Trek. We've just been over this. Yeah. Now, well, so let's, let's just get straight into it, okay? We won't ask what you've been up to, because we know what you've been up to. Jim and Dave, you know, he's just been being himself, and I've just been, you know, the Mate, same. I've been on a little jaunt to Hamburg. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah the Vegas land. So you did. It's yeah. fucking nuts. Yeah, Hamburg is the the place that I rem- the thing I remember Hamburg for most is uh, mm-hmm. Call of Duty Modern Warfare Three. Because <laughs> there's a great level yeah. set in Hamburg where you know, but let's let's not get into it. Uh, so you went, Dave, and how was it? It was good. Was it? Did you go mad? There's two different cities. There's the okay. really beautiful, incredible lake surrounded by all these little bars and restaurants that float on it, and it's really beautiful. And you go and take your loved one away there for a weekend as the yachts sail by. And then there's the main strip, which is fucking nuts. Yeah, it's like oh um, yeah. So you, you spent most of the time nuts. sailing, did you? Dave? Yeah, we that did. Was... We sat the entire time at a lovely restaurant. Fuck me. So you so drifted out there. So something wasn't about this nuts? your like sixth? Stag do of the year? Yeah. I mean, my lip was in a bit of You know agony. a lot of dudes are getting married. <laughs> yeah, you know a lot of people... I've still got four them. weddings left this year. Jesus How, Christ. Dave? I don't think I've been to four weddings in the last I think, 10 years. I think Dave has been to more weddings and, and stag do's and, like, you know, the general events surrounding weddings. I think mm. I think you've been uh, involved in more weddings than I've had to go to for my entire life. <laughs> I mean, there's oh, worse no, things absolutely. to do. I've only been to three, and that's counting me on. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, frankly, weddings are boring, though, aren't they? Yeah. The, the later bit where you can have a few drinks is fine. But the early You know, you fly through the, yeah, I love you, love you too. We've been together a while. Yeah, done it. Can't and then you just get straight to the fun. Fucking obnoxious in a way, though, isn't it? Because it essentially, is. it's two people spending 25 grand to announce to the world that they're shagging. Exactly. And, and, and historically... Was that, was that the vows that you wrote, Jim? Was that word for word? <laughs> I mean, historically, that was, and depending on uh, how, you know, your religion or how you feel about certain things, that may actually be the case. Mm-hmm. When people are like, look, we're off now. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the shag party, you yes, know. We it's took it bizarre. so seriously. Me and Rachel walked down the aisle to um, Gay Bar by Electric Six. <laughs> See that? I mean, that, that is great. Because, I can, I can because we were like, we're not ever, ever going to be able to do this again. Why would you do it properly? Exactly. So yeah. there we go. You know, the whole thing's a load of bollocks, isn't it? Just it's like, a party with your friends. You should do something stupid like that. Yeah, it's exactly. fun. Exactly. Yeah, just like having children. I think that is just... It was mad, essentially. You know, someone I know, and I, you know, I love them very much. Mm-hmm. They... Uh, they had their child. Wonderful. Wonderful. But I'm like, am I going to do that? No. 
I'm, I'm not mad, that's why. I've not got a deficiency in my Listen, brain. you can't do it because it's a wonder you didn't fucking turn into Stalin. So we Excuse were, me, I'm a very we polite young man. So was he. <laughs> Probably. Only two of those words are correct. <laughs> so, right, listen. So, a lot of people have been asking about this new... Um, this new Blade Runner movie that's come out, Blade Runner 2, Blades of Glory. And uh, it's got a terrible title and everyone thought it was going to be a load of shit. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, well, flag, absolutely not. I, I haven't seen it, but I did not say I think it's going to be a load of shit. I didn't say no. I said well, the title's I mean, a load I of did. shite. No, no I, I'm saying everyone is in the director, general... so I'm interested in yeah, seeing but... it. As in the royal everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it was announced, there was another one of those Ridley Scott yeah. fucking, oh, I've ruined Alien, so yeah, now I'm going to I mean, ruin Blade Runner. But... Then it quickly became apparent that Ridley Scott wasn't going to be really involved, so everyone perked up a bit. But he was in the so, original set photos, and that made me perk down. Yeah, you know, he when they had the meeting with Gosling and, and Harrison mm. Ford. So I haven't seen it. I, I'm going to be seeing it soon. I saw so it Jim, last night. You saw it. Mm-hmm. Why is there any narrative justification or any justification at all mm-hmm. for why? The entire world, the production design looks so beautiful, and yet Harrison Ford looks like he just came out of Gap, mm-hmm. as if he's refused to wear any of the clothes. As if he walked into wardrobe and went, no, I'm not doing that. I mean, that could likely have happened with Harrison yeah. Ford. But why but Why does he look so stupid in it? I mean, not there him, because is... he looks great, mm-hmm. but why is he wearing a like the, the future world of Blade Runner? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm in a, a grey And he t-shirt. comes out, and he's just dressed like your dad, sort of sitting down for a fucking Xena Warrior Princess marathon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? Um, because that's the sort of thing my dad did. I don't know anyone else. My dad would do the same. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, the, well, there, there is um, a reason uh, potentially for that. Yeah. Oh, because I mean, he's an android, right? No. Yeah. Do listen. I'm not saying anything. I'm not. Yeah. But you know, the way he looks in the trailers is is very reasonable. Doesn't this yeah. so without without spoiling it? Mm-hmm. As someone who loves the ending of uh, Blade Runner mm-hmm. director's cut for its or final for cut its for its ambiguity, for its ambiguity yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't this fuck that completely? No, no, no. Oh, okay. So he is or isn't a robot, and all the rules that are established have been rewritten. Good, fine. Yeah. Well, they've only got be on f- the box set. They've only yeah. got four year lifespans, haven't they? The replicants and the original, or are there different replicants? Well, mm, mm, mm. no spoilers. Otherwise, I can reach you and uh, we'll punch you in the face. <laughs> no, this is. It. I want Burns to stop asking me about it. But in oh, okay, so the only thing I general, can ask you about is in general technical terms. I don't even want to say whether or not I liked it. Okay, that's I, I, this. This is a film that should. Um, it's one of these things that even if somebody says to you. Like whether or not they thought it was good is 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 too much colouring before you go in. I think. That's so, bollocks. No, listen. This is the same. I wow. don't think. Shut up for a minute. Shut right? Up, churches. I, I think, <laughs> churches. Churches. I think. I don't think that applies. To, I don't think that's a very universal rule. But I think in some cases. Like, the thing about it is that it's 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 an audiovisual kind of splendor. Well, so it's a film. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, but I mean, it is, as opposed to like a radio you could, play, right? Right. You could watch it. The thing is, this film would be um, uh, an incredible experience in the cinema if you turned either the sound or the vision off. Like it would, it would still work. If you couldn't see it, and it would still work as a piece of art if you couldn't hear it, because so it that's looks, a resounding. You should because, definitely go watch this one because it looks so beautiful and it sounds incredible. 
Um, and that's, it's, that's probably one of the best things you could say about the film, right? It's like any individual kind of part of it just works. Um, and that, that, that's probably the only thing I would want to say about it without wanting to colour people's expectations or anything. It is very good. But hold on. I don't understand how you're colouring the expectations. This is this reminds me when game well, journalists look, say I, I won't I read. Hold on, it. No, it reminds me when listen. game journalists say I will not read other people's reviews because it might colour my own. What you yeah. mean? It will ask you to think about the opinions no, that no, you previously no, formed. No, listen, I no, I just I don't, I don't. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll you really put me on the spot. Here. I'll answer for. I've seen the trailers. I think it looks okay. There you go. Mm. Consider that coloured in. We're going to go watch it in Japan, but apparently there it's is, not out yet. Um, yeah. Well, I've heard... Hold on, I've heard mixed things. Oh, really? I want to go and watch it, and mm. I might do it in Japan, because that sounds like something we would do. It's incredibly well-made film. There are some... A lot of... Well, actually, all the way through it, uh, um, I needed to go home and, and Google the editor and find out what else he'd worked on. Yeah. Because there were a lot of editing decisions in that film, which... And this is going to sound make me sound like a right knob which I wouldn't have made, and I wanted... Well, why didn't you just call him up and tell And him? I wanted to figure out if I could say that, and, mm -hmm. as it turns out, he's worked on fucking everything. Yeah, <laughs> so... So this yeah, guy that's... is like, you know, he um, he's, a, he's an incredible editor, he's worked on amazing stuff, everything from fucking Jonathan Creek to uh, 12 Years a Slave. Like, he's... And Arrival, and uh, he's done loads of things. But disagreeing with certain um, artistic decisions isn't necessarily a problem. Yeah. No, but I, but I didn't want I didn't want to make it sound like I was going to be like, well, listen, I've done a bit of editing, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think I could have done. I'm not saying that at all, but but there are certain decisions that uh, he made um, on that cut, which and it's difficult to it's difficult when people haven't seen the film, but you'll know when you see it. It's like, why was that held for so long? Why was mm. this structured that way, etc. There's some really really strange things going on in the edit, and I think it's deliberately strange, and I think it's deliberately um, put together in such a way as that it it, it feels different it flows differently to the way you expect any scene to flow or any film to flow really because as you you know there, there's um uh, you know the, the language of cinema is generally uh, genre interdependent and there are certain basic fundamentals about the way films are put together which are very universal and this seems to be trying its best to um to be just uh, out of sync with that i think yeah i think it's very cleverly doing that so that you do feel a little bit uneasy in this world i've heard so, yeah i've heard that it's quite empty though i've heard that once it's a bit all show and no go so i know that sounds a little bit like uh... some of the reviews of the original movie but no uh, I, I would i don't agree with that at all no, no. did it tell you something about about you about how, about humanity did it make you feel anything apart from... It did, actually, yeah. Oh, my. I'm not watching it then. I don't want to feel anything. <laughs> well, I just want titillation, okay? <laughs> well, the, what, I think um, the great thing about it is that it feels authentically like a sequel. It doesn't feel like essentially what it is that like different people have come along 30, 40 years later and extrapolated uh, a, a sequel that's, that's very different and uh, influenced by the time. And it feels very genuinely like a Blade Runner sequel. It feels like the same world. It doesn't feel like um, this is 2017's Blade Runner. It just feels like this is another Blade Runner film. This is, um, th this, this works following on from the first one. 
Think, okay. Which well, is good. Basically, you've got a week to go check that out, and we'll mm-hmm. check out as well, and then we'll come back, and we'll have a little chat about it. Yeah. yeah. And if I'm talking shit, everyone's going to shout at me, aren't they? One thing that I would say about it is that I hate the title, and I just, and I, obviously I know why they've done it, but I just wish, without sounding like too much of a cock, which is nearly impossible, I just wish they'd called it something different, because what Blade you're saying... Runners. Not Blade Runner, like something that, so the title is just is just different. Uh, like it doesn't say Blade Runner in it. And the reason for that is, I think what you're saying about how it feels like it inhabits the same world, doesn't, but is set so long after, it reminds me of The, the Hustler and The Color of Money. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. fact that it's not called The Hustler 2, I think set expectations for that movie. And, and there's just something nice about them having... Blade Runner 2049 is a terrible, it is an awful terrible title. We've about having years it's like and titles when they, um, are awful ideas. It's like when they did that sequel to GoldenEye called The Thomas Crown Affair, isn't it? You know, well, it's... exactly, right? But I know this sounds, <laughs> it sounds mad on its face to say, but just having a different title just kind of gives it its own legitimacy on its mm-hmm. own mm-hmm. without having to go, oh, they had to call it. And I think that would have really helped mm-hmm. some of the expectation going into the movie where people thought it was going to... I don't know if it was called... Uh, whatever the name of the city is or whatever you know obviously his name's K so it's not just going to be called K but something that's a bit more evocative of a mood rather than a sequel so Blade Runner as a title is fantastic you know mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049 sounds like those Knight Rider sequels that they Blade did Blade Runner 2049 it? sounds like it's like it's a PS1 game surely I was going to say it sounds like Blade Runner was a fucking 2D fighter on the Mega Drive <laughs> and 2049 is the fucking <laughs> PS1 sequel that nobody yeah. likes I don't, um, I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful that it's going to that I'm, I'm going to really like it because the what original was it? Speedball 2100 was that uh, a thing that's, exactly, that's, <laughs> all, that's all I can think about yeah. that's all I can think about yeah, I'm hoping that uh, we're going to um, see it. But one thing, this leads nicely into one of the, the questions, actually, mm-hmm. regarding uh, Blade Runner, because Gosling's obviously very famous. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford has been famous for, you know, much longer than we've been alive, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's from Joshua, hashtag Project Moon. And the question is, is actor chemistry something that is important or is it a load of bollocks? Now... It like, but some no. You I I kind of get it because you hear in all the junkets you hear, well, working with X was amazing and working with Y on this Mm. was was great. And then afterwards they fucking hate each other. But it obviously is important, and I just think that to various degrees. And in this movie, it seems like having something between them Mm. because if like Ford, I mean they clearly get on. Um, Yeah, yeah. Harrison Ford, I think, completely phoned it in for uh, the Force Awakens completely. His death sequence, he may as well have just been like looking over his shoulder at a barrel of money going, yeah, that's... Oh, I've fallen. Oh, no, my son. Spoiler if you've not seen The Force Awakens, right? <laughs> but this, there seems to be, at least from what you've been saying, that there is something like chemistry between them that enhances mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't there, it'd be a bit weaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's difficult to talk about without spoiling it. Um, well, we can, let's talk about another no, I think, movie. I think that... it's important. Yeah, it is important, but I think um, the thing to remember with that is that chemistry doesn't necessarily mean getting on. Um, yeah, I think that's the takeaway. You, know, you, can, have, you yeah. can have chemistry with somebody you fucking hate, but you work really well together. I mean, I mean like, us, like right? me and you, yeah, for exactly. example. Exactly, right? <laughs> but exactly. also, uh, I mean, not movie, but TV, Steptoe and Son, they famously they did f- not get on They despised each all. other, didn't they? That doesn't but, mean you can't have an on-screen on screen. But chemistry. it was brilliant because the on-screen relationship was so antagonistic. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, it's but, just when yeah. they especially romance when they put a couple that like are crazy for each other especially when half the time they don't exchange any fucking dialogue to make them fall in love in the first place which mm-hmm. really annoys me mm. and Bond films especially are murder for that like the one that hinges like you 
it's like, oh, the plot point is that he's in love with her. Oh, but they've said four sentences yeah. in the entire film to each other. So yeah. it was like, oh, that's a bolt out of the blue. I didn't, that's, I didn't I, realize I, that was supposed to be his motivation. I fucking hate when when Hollywood does that. When it's just like, oh, by the way, because because she's got a vagina, so obviously they're in love. And it's like, well, it, it's a Bond movie. I mean, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like, well, you need to. I mean, this 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 is a man who works for the British fucking Secret Service. Do you realise those guys don't? give a shit about anyone dying well Casino wow. Royale did it fantastically because it built that relationship mm. so it felt so, authentic have you heard of Britain mm. <laughs> I thought that he was you know he got away with it in the end because she was a, she is a wrong end wasn't she but, uh, <laughs> but and he nearly got the money so he could have got the best of both worlds yeah, but I think wrong. you're absolutely right the, the takeaway is they don't have to like each other and depending on the seniority hence the Blade Runner thing mm-hmm. we're talking about you know the marathon man uh, Laurence Olivier uh, is waiting on set and Dustin Hoffman comes on he's all sweaty and knackered looking he says why are you like that oh, I've been running all night to get ready for the scene like my dear boy have you tried acting <laughs> and I just think that those in Apocalypse Now uh, the antagonism between the director and pretty much every single other person in the country is mm. uh, is important and in uh, you know various movies with Klaus Kinski Directed by Werner Herzog. Like, mm. that fucking... The, just put into YouTube, like, Klaus Kinski breakdown, and you'll just <laughs> find loads of him screaming... Just epic rants. Yeah, about how he's going to kill everyone, everything, their mothers, etc. But the actor chemistry is a thing. But Dave, you've been on the sets. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Who's the biggest prick? No. <laughs> but that chemistry... Is it Christian Bale? Who have you... Who, you don't have to say exactly, but have you seen examples where people are just kind of cool with each other don't really speak and then suddenly they are actors after all it just goes and it's on. oh yeah absolutely and especially the idea of, oh we had such a ball on set all the time like they know what they're doing they know how to play the cameras and pretend that everyone's really pally to push mm. doesn't I mean, to be honest most of the time you don't have actors that hate each other but it's just part of the theater of it isn't it because whenever the cameras are rolling whether it's on set or whether it's them doing press junkets of stuff then you know, they can be sat in a corner miserable and it's three, two. Hey, and we're back. And nice to, you know, and the yeah. straight, um, the, the switch goes and the performing again. Which is, I think is why people looked so, or, sorry, were so, not confused, but so struck by sad Ben Affleck when he was promoted. <laughs> and so, you know, he just completely switched off. But there's also a weight, especially if you're a comedy actor, like, oh, he, oh, there's a comedy actor. Therefore, they must be being hilariously funny at all times of all days of all occasions. And it's like, they can, they can sit in a corner quietly on, on their own. Peter Sellers was, you know, famously some, you know, he wasn't the happiest man in the world, for example. And a lot of that fueled the, the comedy that he was in. Well, that's yeah. often the case with comedians, I mean, but I just mean like the, the idea that you have an, an oh, expectation like, and they're always in that well, mode. That's, that that's the difference between like pub funny and actually funny though, isn't it? I think people often conflate the two. Like, you know, people think that they're funny, mate, who, you know. Like so, you. Yeah, it, it could, you know, could, oh, you should do stand-up. You're real, you're well funny. And it's like, well, actually, most stand-up comedians are miserable bastards. <laughs> <laughs> um, Richard Herring got a lot of flack a few years back on Twitter because somebody had a go at him for going, you're not very funny on here, are you? And he's like, excuse me, this is free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want the jokes, you're going to have to fucking pay for it. This and it's website like, is free. Hmm, actually, yeah, you've got a point, to be honest. So, well, Which, ironically, um, is very funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kenneth Sharp. This is along the same sort of lines, Dave, about mm-hmm. being on the set. How much do you actually know about a film when you're working on it as part of a crew? To be honest, most of the time, you know, 
a lot about it. I mm. mean, you get on pretty much everything, you get the whole script, and there are very few things that are held back. I mean, stuff like Star Wars would keep bits back, or this, this, like we shot seven alternate endings because we didn't know which one we we're going to use. No film has ever, ever <laughs> done that because it just costs too much time and too much money. Yeah. There's no one, no one's doing that. So yeah, you um, might have, you might have thought of seven different endings and you might have written two of them down. Yeah. You're yeah. not, you're certainly not shooting loads of, of endings because <laughs> yeah. you're just hemorrhaging cash. Yeah. yeah. Even on Maybe the biggest budgets you don't Lucas do Lucas distributes, uh, and I think they did this with Who a little bit, didn't they? They, they don't shoot it, but they have different, uh, versions that go out to certain, so certain members of the production who don't need to see the ending, yeah, get yeah, a version of it if, with If something you're coming in for a day as a runner, you're not going to get the full script of that amazing feature film that everyone wants to know about. But you, Dave, you uh, we talked about this before, but you had that when, amazingly, when I asked if you'd seen the trailer for Rogue One, you said no, because I don't want it spoiled, despite the fact that you <laughs> were there. But I think with certain effects-heavy movies... Yeah, so how much of I, was, shooting... I wasn't there for the whole... I knew the whole film of that. Whereas if you do if you do a whole film, then, I mean, you piece it all together, whether you've got the script yeah. or not. But if you're just going in, doing odd scenes here and there and pickups and stuff, then you don't necessarily have a... And especially, as you say, something that's effects-heavy, you don't necessarily know where this massive prop actually is. And then you're like, oh, yeah. it's 5,000 feet up in the air in the middle of a fight scene, but you're not entirely aware of yeah. that. If it's just a dialogue scene against Green, yeah. Is there is there ever any weirdness from doing that? So you have a green screen or a blue screen, and then seeing it dropped in, knowing you're in there, especially if it's an elevation or it's, it's a space. It's really scene. weird knowing the amount of times that you're essentially oh, if you pan slightly to the right, then my head's right in it, or something like that. <laughs> That you're just like, oh, I was crouched underneath that table at the back of the uh, <laughs> of people, that shot. People think that making any sort of film is this amazing kind of like immaculate craft of, but mainly it's people just hiding out of shot. It sounds like the stuff. stupidest thing, but if you, the, the only thing that's on screen is what you see in the frame, mm-hmm. which, sound, which is a very obvious comment to make. But actually, what I mean is, if you pull back two foot, you would sit, then see the boom and you'd see uh, one of the lighting guys holding a bit of reflect, reflective yeah. material underneath the actress. You'd see, you know, just tons of crew kind of about doing these little things. Uh, that... And just the fact that, like, generally the only um, the only bits of the set that really exist are the bits that are going to be on camera, right? So they don't do a 360-degree set for something that you very, want to shoot from one end. Very, very rare. Oh, no, if you're shooting from one end, you definitely yeah, want to do that. Because, um, again, more time, more money to build it. Ideally, you want to have it. If you had a set that you'd shoot in all ways, you'd have... So if you're doing a studio one, you'd build it so you can fly all the walls out. Mm. So instead, when the problem is shooting on, the good thing about shooting location is all the things are lived in, they look fantastic, but you can't move a foot further back because you're against an actual yeah. literal wall. Whereas when you, the advantage of doing, building a set is you then go, oh, I need to come a foot ideally just behind this wall. And you go, okay, well then you just fly that wall out. Yeah. And you can put the camera wherever you want. Yeah, so Chris Wickstead has asked again something about, about what we're talking about. When a film changes directors halfway through, for whatever reason, how much work is the new person actually looking at? So at work, I suppose, is, is hard to nail down there. Cause, but let's say halfway through. I'd imagine an absolute fuck ton. Because surely Be- you've got because, to review what... I mean, you've got to say they've, they've let the, the initial guy or girl who was directing it go. Mm-hmm. So there's so Lord creative out reasons. Han Solo movie and yeah. uh, Ron Howard's in and they've shot two months worth of footage. Now, Ron Howard is obviously an incredible professional, so mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing, but 
I mean, what, well, where would where do you start with that? Do you review what has been shot? Do you... You'd have to review what had been shot, yeah, look at where... Well, you'd, I mean, it's a difficult thing, though, because obviously they're talented enough to get that job in the first place, so you've got to say it comes down to creative differences, mm-hmm. and so his hands, I guess, would also be tied to a certain way of doing things. Yeah. Plus, you, your hands are further tied by what's already been shot. Mm-hmm. They're not just going to go, ah, fuck it, just start from the beginning and put your own vision in. So mm-hmm. you've, you've basically got to steer a shit towards something that you're happy with creatively, that the studio who's got you in mm. is happy with creatively. And like having enough of your own input into it, but it'll never truly be your own because yeah, half so it's a the compromise, isn't, isn't it? Where everyone yeah. I mean a compromise that I'm sure that you get very well compensated for. Well for like quite. look, this is about to hit the rocks, you come in and rescue it and we will give you a wonderful amount of money. So, yeah. There was a whole thing, but there may be a great opportunity as well. You come in. I mean, obviously, Ron Howard's different. He's very established, mm-hmm. um, particularly for his excellent voiceover work. <laughs> but, you know, you're a younger director, and maybe they go, "Oh, we like a, a film or two. Come in and, and do something with this." And then it's a franchise thing. Then you get a, an opportunity to go, "Okay, this isn't entirely my vision, but if I can save this project, then there's another one down the line." But mostly, it would go to people who. Are, a proven track record. Well, I think that's, being that's a steady why, hand. Um, you know, people were surprised when Ron Howard's name came up, but it's like, but you know, if you if you want, so he's handles films of if, that magnitude. If you want a seasoned yeah. professional who's done this before, which kind of flies yeah. in the face a lot about yeah. we're going to get, we're going we're to expand into the universe and get young creative directors in to do these thing, but every time it feels like, Duh, not not that creative. Yeah. Can we just wheel that what, back in mm, a bit? We still still got to sell a lot of toys. What about in well, the situation which I'm sure inspired the question about? Um, uh, the Zack Snyder situation where it's not creative differences it's like you know basically a, you know, for family uh, uh, tragedy reasons that he that Zack Snyder has left the project and handed over to Josh Whedon you know it's very obvious why they've had they've chosen Josh Whedon um, because like I mean you've made this exact same film twice before mm-hmm. <laughs> almost yeah so, um, so that that makes sense as a choice but like it, I I think that's more than that was more than half done. It was Josh Whedon coming in to finish it off. Yeah, there were certain. I mean, that's kind so, of brings us back to an auteur theory question as well. Like, there are certain directors who like that. You could pick up on each other's start. I mean, if Wes Anderson and he goes, you know what, I'm dropping out of this film for pro- personal reasons. Quite difficult f- to think who you would get in to pick. That's up a his, Terry Gilliam. Kyoto situation, yeah. isn't it? Where it's like, well, it's fucked because who's going to direct the second half of Isle of Dogs? Yeah, <laughs> or Rushmore, for example. No one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's so I mean, style. I mean, obviously, you, you, you would have with your set designer and with your um, director of photography a working relationship and all that kind of stuff that you could come in and fudge it on through. But mm. I think there is uh, an interesting thing also. To, we'll talk about this at a different time, but it's not necessarily replacing someone with another director, but it's people, DOPs, who work with directors a lot and then go on to do their own thing. So Jan de Bont was in, uh, sorry, did uh, a lot of stuff, Die Hard, for example, and then he goes off and does Speed. And I think there's a really interesting uh, thing to talk about how DOPs is like, right, I want to do, I want to be the director now. Mm. And sometimes I've, I've read a few things about certain DOPs getting in, getting in the way and I think this whole... That would be the worst working scenario where you've got a director yeah. of photography who wants to be a director 
and starts you need that you need the, the balance between the two kind of like this is how so the director is the one who says this is how i want to tell the story and the director of photography goes oh that's good have you thought about this would mm-hmm. actually add it or if i if i light it in this way that tells that element of the story and it's a a working relationship between the two to elevate it above what either of you could do individually but if you've got i mean one going like oh no why don't we tell the actress to do it this way it's like yeah no go get your own fucking film and then you tell the actor whatever you want to do but if you're a director <laughs> then that is like that stops with with you for sure in a book i read about it someone was saying that they call it the the, the dop's disease or something spending too long working on things that aren't necessarily the shot but i also think it's a bit of a bit of a fudge to be like a film by x-man or x-woman because when you think about the things that the dop and the editor for example in certain movies bring that oh, of course like can you imagine watching uh casino without the way that that is edited it would just i mean the movie is fucking long anyway you could cut casino into 30 minute installments and have fucking six episodes of it. But that comes back to what Jim was saying early on about the way that Blade Runner was cut. And you can have different visions of how it would be cut and different visions of how it would be directed, Mm. um, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with how each filmmaker would approach it from a different angle and want to tell that story in a different way. Which, mm. is, which is why you have a director rather than just Otherwise getting the, the camera crew just would, to yeah, go exactly. and churn through it. Just it turns up. Okay, so uh, uh, we've got to run because we've got to go and catch a flight. However, one last question. This is for you, Jim. We've just been speaking of it. How much of a mess will Justice League be on a scale of 1 to 10? There was a new trailer. I saw it. It looked, it just looks so dull. It looks like it's muddy. I just, I just have nothing really. Jason Momoa. He looks good in it, but that's because he looks fucking but great. He just, he just looks good. Exactly. I mean, I could just watch him just strutting around. I mean, I know you've never uh, watched Star Stargate Atlantis Burns. Um, Excuse but, me? Uh, How do you know that? Uh, because, because you're you. Um, oh, but yeah. Jason Momoa, uh, obviously he's famous for Game of Thrones as well. Hmm. He is just generally a very incredible looking man. Hmm. Um, so... Uh, but is it going? Yeah. Is you know? Hold on, we've got a bit sidetracked there. <laughs> it's uh, generally it's just like, it so, just looks so dull. Even just, there's so much going so on. Dreamy. How, how can what? it be so dull? Why is it? Why is it not even particularly lit, graded? The the look of the movie. It oh, it looks like a muddy pair of jeans. I think. You see, Wonder Woman was fucking great, right? Um, it wasn't perfect, but it was like it was leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of the DC Universe stuff. And mm-hmm. it, it looked, it had a similar similar look to the rest of that stuff. I think it would, it's fair to say it had a little bit more colour, but it was generally that kind of, that kind of bland kind of grading, mm-hmm. the, the kind of, you know, the, the very, very dark and stuff. But it was set during World War One, <laughs> so mm. it worked. But like, so... Famous barrel last World War One. Yeah, exactly. So I think... Um, like you can, the, the it's it's not a problem necessarily with the the house style for the DC universe or whatever the fuck they're calling it, but um, the, you can make a you can make a film within that that is fun and 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 does have a lot of you know a, a lot of heart, which Wonder Woman did. But um, I think the problem with it is just that 
what they want, what they're trying really hard to do, and this is based completely on conjecture on my part, but I, I get the impression that they're trying to separate themselves from the Avengers and like and the the MCU is is in stark contrast pardon the pun it's like so much more double pun there it, Jimbo it looks like a comic book mm-hmm. is the thing and, and and you know you you look at stuff like Doctor Strange and you got all these colors popping out everywhere and Thor Ragnarok Thor Ragnarok and they don't make you know they haven't they haven't muted the colors on Iron Man's suit you know he just looks like Iron Man mm. that fucking ridiculous red and gold ensemble yeah and like and i think DC have gone very deliberately the other way to sort of muted, grim, dark, and um, uh, they're presenting a world that is just not as nice to be in because they want it to be more adult and more mature. But I, I think the problem is is that it looks like that for all the wrong reasons. It looks like it, because they're being influenced, negatively influenced. That's the correct being. answer, Jim. So yeah. out of 10, what's it going to be? <clears throat> Justice League. Score it now, why not? Preview Sorry. it. But with the score, uh, I think it's gonna be a very generous six. Killing Isn't that Dave? pretty much ninety percent of superhero films? Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four. Uh, <laughs> there so, you go. That's what we're doing now. We are reviewing films but before that out before we've seen out, them. Who cares? Isn't I mean I think this probably makes the point. Isn't Justice League? Is it coming out this year or is it? I imagine it's the back end of this year or yeah. beginning of next. It's very soon anyway, but it's not that long after, what, Guardians 2, Thor Ragnarok. I mean, for fuck's sake, there's no... <laughs> but there's still the audience for it, isn't there, otherwise? Oh, but there's definitely mm. the audience for it, but the audience, the, 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 the DC movie fanboys tend to be those fucking Reddit bores who think everything's fucking <clears throat> terrible unless it's... You know, got fucking decapitations and spunking and whatever. This is the um, one, right? This 16th of November. Is it? 16th of November, right. 16th of November. Right. Last call, basically, is that <clears throat> tonight, as we were recording it Monday, I believe the new Star Wars trailer is going mm-hmm. out about 2.30am. Dave, mm-hmm. make sure you tweet something from Jim Burns, Dave. Still up, You'll right? still be up. I don't give a fuck about that. Star Trek's on tonight. So. Yeah, I'll let you know one oh, thing. How is, uh, how is the new Star Trek going, The new Jim? Star Trek is brilliant. I've got a lot of thoughts about it. But keep them because Dave and I have to go to the yeah. airport. Well, idiot. listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on YouTube and tell people. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. So, I'm just announcing new, new new series. Are yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay, fine. Exactly. Right. In fact, now I was gonna let you guys have a look at it, but I'm just gonna fucking publish don't, it. Without I, I don't want it. It's Star Trek. Listen, no, we've we'll got to go. Change the passwords, mate. What yeah. do you want? What do you want? Listen. I'll thank you. Shut up. You shut up. At least we've got to get in the car. What if we missed the flight? I love how you guys are fucking kidding on that you have to leave like right now. Well, I mean, I literally have to go because I've got to get the KFC double down. Fucking flight's tomorrow, mate. Well, it depends depends when you think this was recorded. Uh, Right. Anyway, (laughs) this is why you've got a 30-minute podcast because Burns couldn't be bothered. Bye. Excuse me. (laughs) 